0: You know, I got into podcasting because I didn't, I didn't want to grow an audience. I don't think it's any more powerful than any other medium.
1: I don't know about you, but when Mark Asquith from Captivate said that to me, I immediately got a little bit defensive. What did he mean it's not more powerful than any other medium? Podcasting is the absolute best, right? <laughs> yep, got a little bit defensive there. But when I took a moment and stepped back, I knew that he had a point. I personally absolutely think that podcasting is the most powerful way for you to not only build an audience, but to actually have them come to know, like and trust you. So that ultimately, investing in you becomes a no brainer for them. But that's just because it's one of the first mediums that I started when I launched my coaching business. Any platform can work for you to grow your audience, as long as you have a solid strategy and you put the love, attention, and focus into actually growing it. And I believe that was Mark's point all along. And it made more and more sense the further that we delved into his particular strategy for growing a podcast, because what this conversation became wasn't just a strategy to grow a podcast. It is really a strategy to grow anything which makes sense given Mark's background starting and growing startups, the latest of which is Captivate. So if you are looking to not only grow a podcast, but are looking to grow your business, which everyone listening to this should be doing, (laughs) then this episode with Mark Asquith is for you. My name is Deidre Shen, the CEO and co-founder of Show, the fastest way to market and grow your podcast. And this is the Grow My Podcast show.
0: I'm Mark Asquith, the co-founder of Captivate, podcast hosting, analytics, and monetization platform.
1: Some of you may know Mark. In fact, some of you may be users of Captivate already. I've personally found it an incredibly simple and intuitive platform to use. In fact, I've had a lot of similar feedback from people using Captivate, especially from users of CapShow too. And so what I was really intrigued with is how it is that Captivate was able to cut through all the hosting noise and become a very dominant player in the industry. How did Captivate even come into being?
0: Yeah, I mean, we built Captivate to scratch our own itch. You know, It was podcast hosting when we got into it really was very old school. There was a lot of incumbents, you know, great people, great companies. I know them all well. I class them all as close friends and that's what you get from being around for so long is that you've seen a lot of things and they were all right as they were but they weren't doing anything to you know me and the people around me they were doing things just this is the way it is and if you like it and they were slow at releasing things and I'm pretty straight talking nothing's that hard and I don't think companies should be applauded for doing the basics I think that's if by virtue of turning up you should be able to do the basics well so that was sort of yeah but that was all that existed so we created Captivate because it was very straight talking it was very open it was very the brand was really focused on serious podcasters like we don't have a freemium plan one of the only companies, well, one of the few companies out there don't have a freemium plan, I just think it's a silly model. So I, I focus wholly on the series podcaster, and that's why it grew so quickly, is that you had Kieran and I, who have been around the industry for 10 years, you know, people know us, we were at the first and second podcast movement podfest. we've spoken at them for a decade, like, we, you know, I remember podcast movement, having a beer with Jared and Dan before, it was a conference as such. So it's that kind of sort of personal brand, couple of personal brands in the space, coupled with Not really taking any BS from things like, why should this be that difficult? And why can't hosts move quicker and do better? And that's why it grew so quickly. And then the acquisition from Global came and it was a great process. We went from initial interest to money in the bank by within six weeks because it was, and that's because we built a good business. It was predictable. It was, you could model it because we didn't have a freemium plan. All of our books were in order, all our platform, our processes, our team is fantastic. We'd just done everything. We'd not done anything special in terms of the business, apart from just be really good at what we do and release a lot of features really quickly. we just, we done what it, we'd done all it takes to be a good business. But we didn't mess around with startup models, and I've been in the startup space for years, and there's a lot of rubbish. In that space, there's a lot of, we need hyper growth. So we're going to scrape RSS feeds from email addresses and, sorry, email addresses from RSS feeds and cold email everyone. And that's like bad news. We didn't want to do any of that stuff because it it damages the brand and it's a bit embarrassing to do it. So we stayed away from all that stuff, all the things that give you a bad name, and we just built a good business. And so when it came around, it was, yeah, it was just a logical fit. I, th- I think it was the reason that we resonate so much with podcasters is because of this attitude that we've got. Well, some people won't like that straight talking. They want to be told that podcasting is the golden age of podcasting. It's never been better time. And you, it's the most powerful way to 10x this and to 20x that. And it's all hyperbolic rubbish. They want honesty these days. A lot of people peddle authenticity online, especially your audience that, that are very much around being experts, or the experts that do well are not people that peddle authenticity, they are people that are genuinely authentic. And there's a big difference between that because authenticity has become a brand term. So it's, yeah, that's why I think we just do obvious stuff for podcasters. Things that sort of, I remember the first year we started releasing features. We did a feature release every week for a year. We did 52 feature releases and they often included more than one thing, you know, as well. So a lot of it was just obvious stuff. Like why can't you set a default publish time for your episode so you don't have to change it from midnight to 9am every time you put? Like the tiniest little details and podcasters were just blown away because that was the state of the industry. So, you know, I think we've just done nice work in an open and nice way.
1: There's a really neat lesson
0: in what Mark just said. Sometimes we try
1: to make everything so complicated because we think that's what people want, when in reality they just want the simple things done right. Things like setting a default publishing time. I certainly took a a lot away from that, even for Show. Focus on doing the simple things right. Given that Mark's been in the startup space for a while and specifically created software for podcasters, I was curious to learn about how he viewed the role of podcasting
0: in helping people grow their audience. I think there are two sides to podcasting. There's the fact that it is, you know, if I tap on this mic, you don't see it, you hear it, it goes in your ears. It's directly piped into the most intimate type of media that you can possibly imagine. So that's a huge plus. There's You'll see it at podcast conferences you'll have it with your show i've got it with mine and a lot of people have it with their shows where you'll meet someone and they will know you based on your voice because they've listened to your show they might not know what you look like or whatever a lot of people said to me i did not realize you looked like that or thought you were taller or smaller or whatever they recognize your voice so that's that's really powerful it is really powerful it is and that's possibly the only unique thing that podcasting has You know, you'll get your purists and people that love podcasting just as much as I do, but love it for a different reason. I love it because you can share your voice. A lot of people love it because it's this amazing open ecosystem. And it's podcasting is unique because it's delivered via RSS. Well, actually, that's not. Yeah, it's unique. But is it really? Is it actually unique? Because I could get blog posts like that. And, you know, is it really unique because of that? It's not. It's that one to one relationship. Now, podcasting, in my view, is no better than any other audience growth mechanism because it still requires work a lot of people are god i see so many gurus selling these crappy courses so much so that i built a course that's completely free doesn't even need an email address because i was that annoyed by it i just thought i'm just going to give something away that's better than this rubbish because people are cashing in on the fact that people want to start these podcasts and what they're doing is like there was one guy who was on facebook the other day facebook had it said i will get you a top 100 podcast in eight weeks it's about 10 grand and you get your money back if it's not a top 100 i was like i could launch a top 100 podcast in 20 minutes." Literally, because it's not hard, and that's not the difficult thing. It's actually building an audience. There's a reason that certain Christmas number one pop songs go to number one, but then you never hear from the artist again. It's because doing the one thing is not the hardest thing. It's maintaining it. And that's why I think there's a lot of hyperbole around podcasting is that you get a real buzz from sharing your voice doing this, talking on microphone, chatting to people and people saying, I like what you've got to say. We, we like that. All right. So that's why people enjoy podcasting. And that's the reason that we, as particularly as creators, we find it a better medium than perhaps YouTube to start with because we don't have to put our face on camera, but there's less things for people to pick on. It's, you know, Mike, you've you put a bit of weight on this year. I have. That's cool. Like I'm all right on video getting hammered for that. That's cool. But a lot of people aren't. So podcasting gives you a bit of safety. So that's amazing. And that's why a lot of people gravitate towards that launch. But it's no better than any other medium when you get past that because it still requires the same tactics. A lot of people will say to me, look, I've not seen any audience growth. All right, what are you doing? Well, I publish my episodes and I put them on social media and I repurpose them. I do TikToks and I'll, I make little short clips and, clips and audiograms. That's well done, but that's terrible. What's that going to do? That's not going to do anything. It's pointless. It will get a little bit of quick awareness and a bit of eyes on. And it's a little bit of touchpoint marketing but it's actually, I equate that to being like, okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna, I'm gonna open a shop down a back alley that's got no foot traffic and that no one can see from the main road. And I'm just gonna put a sign up in the door that no one can see. And every now and again, I'm just gonna nip out to the main street and I'm just gonna go, there's a shop back here. And I'm gonna do that twice a day. How many customers are you gonna get? There might not be anyone walking by when you go out and do that. And that's the problem is it's the old, we cannot build it and expect people to come. So that's why it's no better than anything else. Because if you want to grow, if you want to grow a YouTube channel, all right, we've got to market the YouTube channel. We've got to a real deep content strategy. We've got to have a partnership strategy, a guesting strategy. We've got to have an actual tangible offline marketing strategy, an old school strategy for getting people that we know to listen to the thing. And then we've got to have a bit of a growth strategy, actually, how do we flywheel this thing up? How do we find out what's working and what's not? But because podcasting is going through this boom and all the gurus are selling rubbish for $97, the problem that you've got is that it's been painted as easy. Now the launching is easy. Buying a microphone has never been cheaper. The software that we've got, Captivate and everything else, has never been better, it's never been cheaper. But the house has never been easier. And that's it's a poor excuse for getting into podcasting when realistically the difficulty comes after that guru has disappeared because they've got you to launch and that's the easy bit. And it's the marketing. And guess what? Here's the frustrating thing, I think, for a lot of people. Not many people are saying that. And I'm lucky because I don't sell knowledge. I don't have courses that you can buy. I've got a big free course that just I created because I was that annoyed with gurus. I We don't sell education. We don't sell this sort of stuff. So I can afford to be a little bit more straight talking. I don't have to pretend that you need my course to launch because you don't. And that's the beauty of it. So no one gets into podcasting. No one gets into YouTube. No one gets into being a shop owner because they think to themselves, I know the quickest way to learn marketing is to build something that needs marketing. No one does that. They want to do a podcast because they want a podcast. And that's why I think that podcasting, don't get me wrong, it's amazing and I love it. And I think it is, if you make it, it is the best mechanism for you if you choose it to be. But I don't think we can be under any illusion that you can just press record, upload it, and off we go. Now, some people did do that back in the day, but I'm talking, they built a niche audience around a niche podcast when no one was podcasting. They are the exception. And it's like the early YouTube adopters. It's like all of the early software. They're the MySpace of podcasting. They got there first. Could they do it again now with the same resources? No, of course they couldn't. So it's, yeah. It's a bit of a distorted picture.
1: (laughs) Again, do you notice the similarities in what Mark's saying here between starting a podcast and starting, well, anything? It is actually really simple to start anything, to start a business, to start a new course, to start a YouTube channel, to start a podcast. The absolute key... Though the thing that we always forget is how we actually market and grow the thing. This is when you realize the rubber is hitting the road and it's actually more of a marathon than a sprint. The marketing is when you have to dig in and realize whether this thing is even for you because, not gonna lie, it's actually quite a slog. And I'm saying that as someone who loves marketing. In fact, it's the whole reason Capture came to be. My love of marketing and realising that others just don't have that same kind of love for it. Not blaming you, trust me. (laughs) So if you've been feeling like that at all, that while you love podcasting, you're a little bit lost as to how to actually market and grow it, then hang with me because that's exactly what we're going to dive into after this
2: short ad break. Are you ready to reach more people? On more platforms in a lot less time with your podcast? Well, it's time to meet every podcaster's new best friend, Capture. Capture is the world's first AI-powered podcast copywriter and the fastest way to market and grow your podcast. In just 10 minutes or less, Capture will turn your episode audio file into an episode title, description, show notes, social media captions for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn and TikTok, a promotional email, blog post, LinkedIn article, YouTube description and full transcript. All of the drafts it creates for you are fully editable and downloadable. All you have to do is just upload your episode audio, wait for it to generate the drafts for you and view and edit these drafts and download them to use in all of your marketing content. But before you think that Capture is just another robot that just writes words for you, I have to tell you about what makes Capture different. You see, Capture's AI has a very robust mix of human intelligence mixed into it. Capture was created by marketers so that every piece of copy it writes for you is infused with content honey traps so that your podcast episode stops the scroll and hooks your audience in to listen. But don't just take my word for it. CapShow is offering you a free trial so you can see the magic for yourself, for your podcast. Sign up takes less than 30 seconds and nope, there is no credit card required. Just head on over to www.capshow.com and sign up for a free trial. That's www.capsho.com and sign up for a free trial today.
1: I've been speaking to Mark Asquith from Captivate about his journey with Captivate and his journey with podcasting as well, which I've been finding absolutely fascinating, which is why I could not wait to get into his three tips to growing and marketing a podcast. And right, knowing what they are, you're in for a treat. So let's just get into them, shall we? What is his
0: first tip? Don't be crap. You know, that's it. It really is. I know that sounds really flippant and obvious, but a lot of people are putting rubbish out because they they think that they can turn podcasting on and it's going to work. But the problem is that you, like you said, you sort of could do that a little a little while ago, maybe eight years ago, but you can't now because people have got more choice. Podcasting's got bigger. You want to talk about Star Wars? You better be good because I like my show. It's really enjoyable, and other people like it too. So you've got to compete with me, and I've got to compete with you. And that's the thing. Yes, you can collaborate. Yes, you can do guesting. Yes, you can do cross promotion with other people in your niche that's great podcasting is massively collaborative but the ultimate thing to understand with this is that you'll never grow if you've got a bad product you you have to produce great content you've got to think about it you said something at the beginning of the podcast which no one said to me for a long time which is I do a lot of editing on this good it's going to sound much better because all the crap that I say you're going to make it sound good and you're going to you're going to get rid of all the stuff that I that is a little bit a little bit rambly and you're going to tighten it up and it's going to be it's going to make me sound better and Your audience will appreciate that because they want the best version of this episode. They don't want everything. And I think uh, for some reason, I don't know why this is, people think podcasting is just like, turn it on, record and off you go. And you could do that. Like I said, don't get me wrong, 10 years ago, you could do that. You could. But now you can't because there's that much more choice. So that is the first thing. (laughs) And you know what? The rambly bits are sometimes my favourite. Just don't tell
1: Mark that I left some of his rambly bits in. Seriously, though, this is what gets me juiced about podcast marketing, because as we've heard that time and time again on this episode, it always goes back to basics. Just like how a business with a crap product won't grow, so won't a podcast that doesn't sound good. With my first podcast, I actually had no idea how to do any edits to the point where if I made a mistake in recording, I would actually just re-record it all again because I had no idea how to actually edit the thing. No wonder I struggled to grow it. But now, well, now we don't really have an excuse, do we? We have to ensure that our product is top notch. Ask yourself, are you proud of the content that you're putting out? Why or why not? what changes can you make? How can you create something that is not crap? That's Mark's first tip. Don't be crap. And so what is his second?
0: And then it genuinely is about marketing it, but you've got to start with a strategy. You've got to have a marketing strategy. Like a lot of people say, build an avatar. That's cool. That's brilliant. Twenty fifteen was an amazing time let's keep doing that but you got to know who you're talking to but a lot of people go right i'm going to build an avatar and then i'm just going to going to go on social media but it's cool because i wrote that avatar down but i'm still going to do broadcast social media and not do anything to target this person which is really freaking weird i don't know why people do that so if you're going to do like an avatar and you got to think strategically
1: again we are going back to basics who is your podcast actually for who are you actually speaking to I realized the importance of this myself when we first launched Capshow. For those of you who don't know this story, Capshow started off as a platform that would turn a user's stories into a bank of captions and emails. Again, it was relatively easy emphasis on the word relatively. It was relatively easy to build. The hard part was at marketing it. And when our coach asked us who we were targeting with this product, my answer, all entrepreneurs can use it. All of them right? Are you kidding me? All entrepreneurs? Where would I even start trying to find these entrepreneurs, any entrepreneur? Wow, no wonder my coach absolutely laid into us. He made us really narrow it down and then narrow it down again until we got to where we are now, which is talking to you, experts who podcast. And that is how we were able to build and start growing Capture as you see it now, because we knew exactly who we were talking to. So do you know exactly who you're talking to with your podcast? If so, then you're ready for step three.
0: You know, you've got to think to to yourself, right? Okay, I'll give you my strategy for the Star Wars podcast, right? My Star Wars podcast strategy is middle-aged people who are really busy and bloody love Star Wars, all right? So that can be, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your life situation, all that other fancy stuff that people tell you about with your avatar, it's just are you a busy person that likes Star Wars? Actually, I'll probably relate to you, and you relate to me more if we're roughly the same age, like within ten years of each other. Where does that person go? Yeah, sure. There's a little bit on Twitter, but actually, they're reading a lot of books. They're at the movies. They're watching the same stuff as me on TV. They're in geek culture, random vintage toy stores up and down the country, and no one thinks of this stuff. All they think is, oh, "I'm just going to automate the tweets." so i think if you've got to think what it, think about it from a marketing director's perspective and if you don't know how to do that just literally buy a five pound book off amazon on, on basic marketing 101 it always starts with strategy who are we trying to reach how are we trying to reach them what are we going to say to them when we get there and why should they even care if we can do that and then you can come up with a strategy which is honestly I would get more listeners for my Star Wars podcast if I stopped doing any online marketing and just spent all my time traveling to conferences, giving out stickers. I would, but I just can't because family. So it's about being pragmatic about what you're trying to achieve, how you want to achieve it, and why you want to achieve it. And that's just that's called strategy. What doesn't work is, how can I phrase this? Promotion in isolation. So a lot of people assume that promotion is marketing, and it's not. Marketing is building up enough of a relationship with the right people so that when the time is right for them, you become the obvious choice. That's marketing. Promotion is town crier. Promotion is going out and tweeting everything because it's pretty cool to tweet everything. And saying to people, I've got this thing, you better listen. I've got this thing, you better listen. I've got this thing, you better listen. Doesn't work like that. It simply does not work like that. I always use, I created a concept about four years ago that I use for all of my podcast marketing. It's called the Podcast Discoverability Triangle. You can Google that. It's something that I created a while ago. And it was a talk that I gave for a long time before lockdown, like podcast movement and so on. And it posits that there are three types of listener that you can access. There are the people that, know about podcasting, but don't know about you, or so there are people that like the stuff that you're into, but don't know that you exist and already know how to get podcasts. So the second part of that is there are people that love your subject matter, but ain't got a clue what a podcast is. And then there are people that are ready to be influenced by people that are already listening to your podcast. And to me, that's the podcast discoverability triangle. If you can strategize marketing that targets each of those three types of people. That's why guesting works. Because one prong of that is that if I go on other shows like this, then they already know how to get podcasts. All they've got to do is find mine. So I'll just make that part easy. I'll give them my Captivate link and off we go. And that's why the guesting element of that works and cross-promotion and so on and so forth. And, and it, But if you can strategize, right, okay, what is my marketing strategy to target people who know about podcasts but don't know about me? Here's a strategy. I'm going to write that down. What's the other strategy to... Get people who love, for argument's sake, Star Wars, to understand what the heck a podcast is. Because if I can teach people about podcasting, and I'm the only podcast that they know about in their subject matter, you know, sort of do the math, it works, and it really does. And then the other stuff, the other strategy is, how can I activate referrals? And there's, you don't need software for that, you don't need any of that stuff. You just need your fans to know that they can tell other people. That is it. And you've got to hammer it. So... Yeah, they're the three sort of strategies. Probably don't have time to go deep into that, but they're the three strategies that I always advise every podcaster builds. And then tactically, that's when I'm talking tactics, as you'll know, it's more about, okay, what does that look like day to day? Well, if you've got these strategies in place, assume that it's how do I activate people? How do I get people that know about Star Wars, but don't know what a podcast is? I'm not going to go on Twitter for that. I'm going to go around the comic shops. And I'm gonna say, here are like a thousand stickers. Any chance of putting these on your worktop on your counter? Or I'm gonna to start to talk to I'm gonna to start to talk to the local places around me and say, actually, where are all my Star Wars fans? Can we do a meetup locally? And can we do a town meetup or the one in the next city? And I'm gonna run the meetup and that costs me nothing. People just come to talk about Star Wars and guess what? It's sponsored by Spark of Rebellion. There's a drink on the bar and it costs you like 30, 30 bucks. Yeah, it's just that's just marketing, isn't it? But people forget that. So start with a strategy. In fact, do a strategy, you know? Ah,
1: okay. Mark's last tip. Once you know who you're talking to, then you can design a strategy that is specifically targeting them. There is so much wisdom in this because, again, that's exactly how we were able to grow both Capture and the Grow My Podcast show. Instead of entrepreneurs, honestly, where would entrepreneurs be hanging out? When we started targeting experts who podcast, we could go to events like PodFest and Podcast Movement, collaborate with people like Mark and others who are specifically in the podcast industry because we knew that this is where our people are. There is so much gold in everything Mark has shared with us because it goes back to the fundamentals of marketing. And marketing a podcast is honestly no different to marketing a business. It was such a great reminder for me to always go back To basics. And talking about basics, if you wanna hear exactly how Mark defines audience growth, then head over to the show notes for this episode and get that bonus clip. It's completely 100% free, and as you might expect, goes into Mark's very unfiltered thoughts about what audience growth actually is. And it's definitely not what you think. It actually gives some really great insight into why you need to also really think about your personal brand. For example, okay, I'm not going to give anything any more away. Go and get that bonus clip in the show notes. And if you wanted to learn more
0: from Mark, probably the best thing that that anyone can do is just follow me on Twitter. I here's a tip, a podcasting tip: don't give too many calls to action. Always have one thing that you promote, literally just the one thing. So a lot of people, what they do is. They'll be like, oh yeah, you got to find me on Twitter. Get me where you get your podcasts, get Apple, Spotify, get me on my email list, go get my ebook, get me on the gram, get me on Facebook. And my website is this. Who's going to remember that? Just one call to action. All right. Mine is Twitter because I engage there more than anywhere else. You can get to everywhere else from there, but I'm just just at Mr. Asquith on Twitter. But yeah, think about that for podcasting as well. Just one call to action. (laughs)
1: You, you just couldn't help himself he was still teaching even in his call to action okay that's it from us today thanks for joining us on the grow my podcast show and as always stay awesome